Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Guys with Bibles. I'm Lee. I'm Sean. And I'm Scott. We're discussing today another uh, brief look at the law before we move on to gospel. So we've got a couple items here that we wanted to go through that I don't think we touched on the last time we talked about law. So we thought we better cover all the bases before we moved on. Well, it's about time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so the first, I, I think part of it was, I kind of, and I think Sean agreed too, it, it kind of wanted to zero in on the Ten Commandments because it seems like there's some debate maybe even especially right now, but there has been for a long time, about whether the the Ten Commandments are binding on Christians or not, or if they're useful at all to Christians, or if they've passed away altogether with, say, the ceremonial or, uh, or theocratic laws. Um, I th- I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I think we all agree that the Ten Commandments are are valid for Christians today. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I would I would say so. Yeah. If not, then this show just ended. Like, uh, well, that was it. Hmm. Sorry for guys with Bibles. It's been a it's been a good been run. A nice run. <laughs> but yeah, I say that they are still in effect today. Um, Christ didn't come to abolish the laws at all, and he he clearly states this in Matthew five. So he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it, right? Because no man could fulfill the law perfectly, which is exactly why a God, a God, a deity, which is our God, had to come down, dethrone himself, and come down and live as one of us. I mean, it's just right impossible for a man to live out the law. And if he did... He couldn't fulfill or pay his own sins. Yeah, I mean, if if he did, he would only be able to pay for his own sins by that by living that righteously. Right. Um, yeah, and I mean, if if it, you... it would only work for him, and I don't think it would work for long. Even if you could obey all the laws all at once, you would break one of them eventually. You may have a short run of success on that, but it would come it would come for you eventually. It'd be in a matter of yeah. time, like seconds, maybe yeah. minutes. It was like uh uh Not if you're sanctified. Last episode when Chad Bird told the story about the guy that said he hadn't sinned in like like 20 years or something Decades, like that. Decades, yeah. 
That was hilarious. I would have been like, well, what what Love the heck that. am I doing reading this Bible? I should be talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> the, and the thing I is, disciple then, right, shouldn't I? Like, uh, wow, why are we here at church? <laughs> but but I know we have a lot of people, um, especially here around town, um, here in Little West Liberty, Ohio. Um, we have an entire group of people who believe they are completely sinless, that they do not sin against their God, um, which is complete. That's ludicrous. Oh, it's 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 so foolish of them. Blasphemy! You know? I mean, it's just you're just you're just walking down the path to you're just might as well just walk into hell yourself, um, and not pass go. So I mean. It's just, it is what it is. I mean, you cannot go, you can't go minutes it's, without It's something sinning. you almost can't even joke right. about. It's it's so serious. And I mean, yeah. and, and we don't take this serious enough. I mean, the seventh commandment is one of the most difficult for men in general to even live out daily. I mean, we battle the seventh commandment on a minutes basis every single day every minute every hour all day all year we battle that one specific sin sexual immorality um we're gonna battle that for the rest of our lives yes sir thanks for reminding me (laughs) (laughs) um and the thing is if you look at the ten commandments the the first commandment if uh, you, you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, if, if you look at that, if if you could fulfill that one law, you could probably easily take care of the rest. Oh, sure, for sure. But unfortunately, uh, we have, we... and that is the one that you will never ever. You're never ever going to put God first, right? And as Jean Calvin said. Uh, the heart is a factory for idols. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we wait. I'm a little sissy boy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true, though. sissy baby. It's true, though. We are willing yeah, to trust true. in anything but God. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, if, if, if you could follow that very first commandment to the T perfectly, you could fulfill all of the law. At least all of the Speaking Ten of Commandments. The... <clears throat> no. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Why don't we go ahead and list, run through the Ten Commandments, and then um, then we'll go about it. You want me to go ahead Sean, and... Sean, would you like s- to do the honors? Yeah, sure. I'll, uh, now, this is... Honestly, I, I'm i not sure. Uh, the, the, the Ten Commandments, according to the Lutheran Church, maybe flip-flopped a little bit from what the Reformed guys... Uh, yeah, the numbering's a little different. The numbering's right? a little different, but they're all there. So, uh, uh, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. Uh, and then Luther asked, what does this mean? And his answer, which uh, is repeated in every answer for the other nine commandments, is we should fear, love, and trust God above all things, which we don't do. Second Fear, love, and trust. I think that's that's an interesting three verbs there for him to use. Right, and that's the translation I have. I don't. It might say something different in the other ones, but yeah, I have I have that too. Same thing. Fear, love, and trust. 
Uh, and then uh, I'll just run through them all and with the answers, and then we can talk. If you, if you want to say something, yeah. just interrupt me. Uh, you shall, second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And this, the what does this mean? We should fear love. Fear and love God so that we may not curse, swear, use witchcraft. Scott, I got my eye on you. My wife sells snakes. Lie. <laughs> <laughs> Lie or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks. Third commandment. You shall sanctify the holy day. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we may not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Fourth commandment, you shall honor your father and your mother, that it may be well with you and you may live long upon the earth. What does this mean? <clears throat> we should fear and love God so that we may not despise or anger our parents and masters, but give them honor, serve, serve them, obey them, and hold them in love and esteem. Fifth commandment, you shall not murder. Uh, answer to that is we should fear and love God so that we may not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and befriend him in every bodily need, in every need and danger of life and body. Nice. Sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. So in this, it's the sixth commandment. Uh, we should fear and love God so that we may lead a pure and decent life in words and deeds and each love and honor his spouse. Seventh commandment, you shall not steal. We should fear and love God so that we may not take our neighbor's money or property, nor get them with bad products or deals, but help them to improve and protect his property and business. Eighth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We should fear and love God so that we may not deceitfully belie, betray, slander, or defame our neighbor, but defend him. Think and speak well of him and put the best construction on everything. Ninth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. We should fear and love God so that we may not craftily seek to get our neighbor's inheritance or house or obtain it by a show of justice and right or any other means, but help and be of service to him in keeping it. And finally, the 10th commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant or his cattle or anything that is his. We should fear and love God so that we may not turn, force, or entice away our neighbor's wife, servants, or cattle, but urge them to stay and carefully do their duty. So, what I wanted to point out is, in a lot of these you shall nots, uh, it's, Luther goes a little bit farther than just not murdering, but he goes farther, and in, in, as part of that commandment, you are to help and befriend him in every bodily need, in every need and danger of life and body. So you shall not murder, you shall not harm anybody, but more than that, you need to go beyond that and be helpful to them. Uh, that's not really, a, a lot of people don't think of the, the, the you shall nots that way as, mm -hmm. as going beyond like uh, you shall not covet. We're turning them into a positive, right? You shall not covet your neighbor's house. It's uh, it's a, you should fear and love God, 
so we do not scheme to get our neighbor's inheritance or house or get it, or get it in a way which only appears right, but help and be of service of, to him in keeping it. So rather than refraining from doing something, he wants you to do something to help your neighbor. Yeah, right. So I, I just think that's interesting. And it's crazy that he wrote the small catechism for children. So, and and it's it's profound enough that you can that even uh, grown ups can find some application there for sure. Right, and the 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 large catechism will make you go cross eyed. <laughs> but I can't I can't afford to go cross eyed, so I'm just gonna <laughs> leave that alone. Yeah, I'm ugly enough. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> I know I've already got enough against me. I don't. I don't need to go cross-eyed on top of it. So what do you got to say, Scott? Well, I mean, since we're not Lutheran, why don't we take a look <laughs> at sixteen eighty nine? Oh, here I we go. I will say on on the numbering system, the difference the difference is that um, the second commandment, as we know it, uh, you shall not uh, make yourself a carved image, uh, is not present. That's right. That's the one that they left out. And they put, uh, I don't know, I can't remember, I don't know which one they put in its place. I think they broke out. They broke the, they broke out the covet your neighbor's house and wife and stuff. They, is that what it is? That's it. Yeah, they made those separate. That's, yeah, that's normally combined into the 10th yeah. commandment, but yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. So that's just a little different way of, of looking at it, for sure. But, but I know we're not Lutheran. I just thought those were... I was going to say, I am not. I know we're not Lutheran, but I thought those explanations for the commandments were, were nice and short and, uh, and quite descriptive and helpful. So, But now we're right. going on to the real confession of faith, the 1689. Yeah. <laughs> Now, as it starts in chapter 19, um, if you have the small leather-bound one, um, the from Banner of Truth, the Baptist Confessional, Woo. exactly, check it out. And this is of the law of God, and it begins like this. It says, God gave to Adam a law of universal obedience written in his heart and a particular precept of not eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, by which he bound him and all his posterity and personal, entire, uh, exact, and perpetual obedience promised life upon to fulfilling and threatened death upon the breach of it and endued him with the power and ability to keep it. So it's going um, right to the to the beginning. Find, We've got Adam in there, and we right. have the um, the covenant of, of law uh, with him. Right. And he did have the ability to keep it or not keep it. Whereas we do not have any ability to keep it as as we are now because of Adam's fall. Um, yeah, Way to go, yeah, Adam. Thanks a lot. We're born. I wish his name was Aaron. <laughs> you done messed you know. up now. <laughs> Way to go, AA Ron. <laughs> you done messed up now, AA that's Ron. What, that's what Moses yeah, said when Adam. he came down out of the mountain and they had the golden calf. <laughs> In Hebrew, Adam basically means dirt bag, so might as well go with that. Yeah, he's the he's a man <laughs> of dirt. Yeah. Because he's made of bag, made of dirt. Yep. Hmm. Then in number two, 
paragraph two, the same law that was first written in the heart of man continued to be perfect rule of righteousness after the fall and was delivered by God upon Mount Sinai in ten commandments and written in two tablets, the four first containing our duty towards God and the other six are our duty to man. I can read paragraph three. Besides this law, commonly called moral, God was pleased to give the people of Israel ceremonial laws containing several typical ordinances, partly of worship, prefiguring Christ, his graces, actions, sufferings, and benefits, and partly holding forth diverse instructions of moral duties, all which ceremonial laws being appointed only to the time of Reformation are, by Jesus Christ, the true Messiah and only lawgiver, who was furnished with power from the Father for that end, abrogated and taken away. I think chapter... Go, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, paragraph three is, I think, hugely important for not only understanding um, the relationship between the Old Testament and uh, the Christian life, but even even down to, uh, to some degree, covenant theology, too. Um, because we see here that a lot of the either folks in the dispensational camp or even New Covenant theology camp automatically say everything in the Old Testament is irrelevant. There's there's no use to it at all, and um, we can study it just for historical purposes, learning what was going on in the Old Covenant. Oh, ooh, that's interesting, and then now we study the New Testament, and that's what we go by. But paragraph 3 pretty plainly puts out here that, uh, it's that the law— it's all linked up, right, exactly. And, and, and the we law see Christ point, all through it. Yeah, and the law is pointing to the one who can fulfill the law for us, Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. And, it, and it, ca- it shows the distinction between the moral law and then ceremonial law, right, which yeah. was appointed only, I like that it says, only to the time of Reformation, uh, because Jesus was, was reforming the law. He was... Um, you can see it in the Sermon on the Mount, which I'm blogging through, that he comments on the law and kind of points points all the law directly into the heart rather than the hands of people. What they do, it's more about what they believe and, and what they think. Um, those laws obviously are uh, fulfilled by Christ since they pointed to him in the first place, and those are taken away because he took them away. He fulfilled them. They're no longer binding like they were upon Adam um, and in, in on sinful humanity. I, th- I just think, I think uh, paragraph 3 is really important for understanding the law and how it relates to us. Um, but then we have paragraph 4. Uh, to them also he gave sundry judicial laws, which expired together with the state of that people, not obliging any now by virtue of that institution, the general equity only being of moral use. I know we talked about that a little bit, but that goes to all, you know, the the system of appointing the judges and um, the heads of the fathers' houses and their responsibilities and the duties of Levites, the duties of priests, you know, all the various uh, land allocations based on tribe. All yeah, those I'm, have gone I'm away. I'm just uh, I'm I'm rereading through that now. I'm rereading Deuteronomy. I'm almost finished, and uh, it's it it touches on all that stuff briefly. You know, as he's summing all that up for the people. 
isn't isn't Deuteronomy basically like one gigantic sermon by Moses? Yeah, and it, it's funny because uh, I never really thought about this before, but I was looking at, um, I think it was the Reformation Study Bible. Yes. And it said, like, you know, Exodus took, you know, that's a story of, you know, like 40 years. Which is pretty impressive because a good, a good chunk of Exodus occurs just while Moses is on the mountain. Right. And then... Uh, what was it? Uh, like numbers. I think numbers took several years, I believe. And then, uh, but Deuteronomy was over the span of like three days. So the last three days of uh, Moses' life, he spent basically reiterating everything that he's done for these people basically most of his life. And how mad he was at them. And then he dies. <laughs> I'm reading it right now because that's where I am in in McShane, the McShane reading plan, and uh, I really am enjoying it. It's I kind of had forgotten how great Deuteronomy is, chapter four especially. Yeah, really great. Okay, any um, we'll move on to paragraph five. The moral law doth forever bind all as well justified persons as others to the obedience thereof. And that not only in regard of the matter contained in it, but also in respect of the authority of God the Creator who gave it. Neither doth Christ in the gospel any way dissolve, but much strengthen this obligation. Um, so yeah, so with the with the moral law, again, like like I said before, it flies in the face of what the uh, New Covenant theologians or dispensational theologians would say, that no, it did not pass away that Christ, even though he fulfilled the law in total for us, the moral law is still hugely important important for us and is still binding on us to a certain degree, but not binding on us as a matter of justification like it was for, uh, for the Israelites, um, but it's binding on us now as a matter of obe- obedience or sanctification. Okay, yeah, exactly. Um, the moral law is basically, it's, it's more of a guide. It guides you back to, hey, this is wrong. No, it, this is this is not what you're we should bad. be doing. We, and your nature is corrupt. And this it, the law is supposed to convict the sinner and show, well, it's not really to convict. I, I take that back. The law is meant to chasten, show the sinner. It, it is to show the sinner his deep need for a savior. Exactly, be, because of his inability to fulfill or even complete one of those laws perfectly. Boom! You're right on. Spot on. Sweet. Spot on. All right, you want to go to paragraph six then? Although true believers be not under the law as a covenant of works, to be verified, justified, or condemned, yet it is of great use to them as well as to others, in that, as a rule of life, informing them of the will of God and their duty, it directs and binds them to walk accordingly, discovering also the sinful pollutions of their natures, hearts, and lives, so as examining themselves thereby, they may come to further conviction of humiliation for man that that is such a puritan sounding thing there the humiliation 
um, humiliation for and hatred against sin, together with a clearer sight of the need they have of Christ and the perfection of his obedience. It is likewise of use to the regenerate to restrain their corruptions in that it forbids sin, and the threatenings of it serve to show that even their sins deserve, and what afflictions in this life they may expect for them, although freed from the curse and unallayed rigor thereof. The promises of it likewise show them God's approbation of obedience and what blessings they may expect upon the performance thereof, though not as due to them by the law as a covenant of works. So as man's doing good and refraining from evil, because the law encourageth to the one and deterreth from the other, is no evidence of his being under the law and not under grace. Which is basically, Scott, what you just said. You're so Baptist you anticipated the next paragraph before we got to it. Just Congratulations. <laughs> it's written on my heart. <laughs> You're so Baptist, the 1689 is written on your heart. <laughs> Pretty hardcore, huh? That's awesome. <laughs> Why get... do you think I had open heart surgery? <laughs> <laughs> they, they tattooed it on the flesh of your heart. Yeah. Yeah. I see that, that was your there. first tattoo. <laughs> Just shave it out. And put a new stone in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean, did you want to do the final the final paragraph? You want me to read it? Yeah. Okay. All right, paragraph. Sean, six. read seven. I'm <laughs> starting. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. Uh, neither are the aforementioned uses of the law contrary to the grace of the gospel. But do sweetly comply with it, the spirit of Christ subduing and enabling the will of man to do that freely and cheerfully, which will the, which the will of God revealed in the law requireth to be done. And he come down out of heaven and he smack you in the face. <laughs> uh, this is the kind of thing I just want to yell at, at everybody who, who doesn't quite see the relevance of the law still in the life of the Christian. The law is not contrary to the grace of the gospel, but it sweetly complies with it. It not and just complies with it, it sweetly complies with it. Sweetly. Well, you, here, here's the thing. You like cannot, sweet tea. You <clears throat> can't separate the law from gospel, and you can't separate gospel from the law. If you don't have the other then you might as well not even be up there preaching at all. Right. How can you have good news if you haven't heard what the bad news is? Right. How can I you heard... convict Sorry, the ahead. sinner? You know, how can you pierce the heart of a sinner, of an unbeliever, and convict them that, hey, you're not living in obedience to God. Your lifestyle is, no lo- is not obedient to God. The way you are is not obedient to God, but through Christ, you have a purpose, <laughs> purpose-driven oh, life. No. There you go. Oh, oh no. no, you went there. You're going so well. <laughs> ah, shoot. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> I thought I went I just a little threw up in my Scott, mouth my boy. a little. You're so welcome. Ugh. No, well, you know, it, you, can, you can even take it back to um, John the Baptist teaching that, that Jesus picked up in his ministry, repent and believe. You can't repent without... prosperity without, gospel. 
you you can't. You will have riches. You... You'll have jet airplanes. <laughs> you'll be not sick for the rest of your life. Lee, calm down. You, have you ever heard of theology of glory, bruh? <laughs> bruh, bruh. Yeah, it's bad. But, but I, I'm gonna I name saying... it and claim it, and I'm naming and claiming that jet. <laughs> yes, the Try Lord it. said I shall have that jet, and you Get better name up, and claim buddy. a proper garage to keep it in. Right, I'm just gonna park it outside. <laughs> uh, what I was saying was, what if, were you saying? Yeah, if you yeah. can take this back it, even it, to to John the Baptist teaching about repent and believe, which Jesus also preached after Jesus entered into his ministry. You can't repent without your heart being wounded by the gospel, or by the, you, my word, oh. you can't repent until your heart's been wounded by the law, and you there, can't believe right. until it's been healed by the gospel. Exactly, um, exactly. And, I, I like how Charles Spurgeon like puts this. I, I've I like how reading. Charles Spurgeon put anything right, <laughs> in his... Um, it's uh, his book, it's called The Soul Winners, uh, How to Lead Sinners to the Savior. And, and in it, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to read this to you guys so you can just suck it up and enjoy it. <laughs> I'm gonna, Maybe we will. I'm, I'm going to try to read this if that's any possibility. You know, got to find my highlight. It's all over Oh, the place. not the highlighter again. Yeah, here it is. The weapon with which the Lord conquers men is the truth as it is in Jesus. The gospel will be found equal to every emergency, an arrow which can pierce the hardest heart, a balm which will heal the deadliest wound. Preach it and preach nothing else. Rely implicitly upon the old, the old gospel. You need no other nets when you fish for men. Those your master has given you are strong enough for the great fishes and have mesh fine enough to hold the little ones. Spread these nets and no others, and you need not fear the fulfillment of his word, and I will make your you fishers of men. Wow. Boom. You're welcome. Well, Scott, where can they find us? <laughs> well, so uh, we have a Facebook called Guys with Bibles. You can click to join if you want. Don't care if you do. <laughs> just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Hopefully you do. We have an Instagram, a Twitter um, under the same names. Um, our Gmail, if you ever want to reach us by email, it's www.gmail. No. no, it's not. www. Don't dot listen to Scott. Guys, no. w Bibles at no, gmail.com. It's, guy, it's guys, w Bibles at gmail.com. That's it. That's, yeah, that's an email that's address. Yes, that's the email address. Yes. Don't you correct me. <laughs> <laughs> now tell me about the website that you hate. Oh, oh yeah, we do have a website. <laughs> we have a website. It's called guyswithbibles.com. Um, there are pot. You can listen to the podcast on there. Also, you can read their blogs on. <laughs> oh, that was their <laughs> blogs. Their blogs because I don't blog. So you guys can enjoy those on there as well. 
And you can find Guys with Bibles on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, and any other podcast of your choice. Um, right, Lee? You certainly can. Oh, okay. See? Look. Is that it? That's it. We're Did Guys with Bibles anything? and we're out. Don't you take my line. <laughs> I did it. Guys, the Bibles, and we're out. Malprocious.